Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. It is Sarah K. Ramsey here with Susan Ways. And Susan and I first met when we were talking about toxic people at work. She has a huge background in HR, executive leadership training. But then when we kind of started digging into exactly the purposes of our conversation, she told me she also has this amazing podcast on grief called The Tendrils of Grief. Susan, tell us a little bit about your journey into the podcast on grief. Sure. So I want to tell you that it actually was a an exercise for me to take my power back. Because when you go through an incredible grief situation, whatever that is, for my for me, it was the loss of my husband to an aggressive rare form of cancer. For other people, it can be a divorce, it can be just an alienation from their children, it can be a breakup of a important friendship, there's so a loss of a job, there's so many different things that cause grief. And I always look for the lesson in things. And what can I take out of this? How can I use this as a path forward? And so after I went through the heavy grieving process, I just really felt inspired to start a podcast to help other people because I couldn't find a podcast that resonated with me on grief when I needed it. So I wanted to provide that tool for other people. You sound like me, you know, people say, how did you get into this? And I said, Oh, every little girl grows up thinking she's going to be a toxic relationship specialist. Obviously (laughs) not. And you know, an idea about um, becoming the person that you needed and didn't have. That's right. I love that. Um, So I told Susan a bit about my month. So in the last, I'll tell you guys, the listeners in the last month, I was on a anniversary trip with my husband for our second anniversary. We had to rush home uh, because my stepson was in a car wreck in which the jaws of life had to come get him out. And he was flown by helicopter to trauma center. His friend actually died in this car wreck. Um, So for the last month of my life, I've been doing a lot of grieving, (laughs) a lot of grieving, the little tiny grieving things like, Oh, I thought I was going to get a week of vacation with my husband to like huge grieving things like, Oh my gosh, like I'm thankful that he's alive. And, And there's a young man who isn't as well as several COVID incidences in my family. My kids lost their grandparent on the other side. Um, A family friend committed suicide. It has been the month the month, right? As I kind of go back and think about everything that's happened in the last four weeks. So a great conversation, even for me right now. So when you think about grieving and telling some, teaching somebody how to grieve and what that is, what has that been for you? So it's really about number one, going through the process, because we don't like to feel bad. And we're in this society where people are like, oh, the power of positive thinking and oh, just you can meditate, you can pray, you can maybe watch TV 24 seven, you can drink, you can eat, you can numb out in so many different ways. But grieving, getting to the other side of grief and having that breakthrough experience comes from feeling all the feels and doing that heavy work. And it's it is really tough because you don't want to feel that way. Other people don't want to see you in that way. So you it distances and alienates you from relationship because we're a society afraid of grief, which is funny, because again, we're all going to have some kind of a grief experience. And so I teach people all the time when they come to me, be kind to yourself, find the tools that work for you. And don't worry, don't people are well meaning, and they have lots of advice. 
but they don't know your journey. And you have to find the things that resonate for you. And that's always going to change. It's a fluid experience. Today, it might be journaling. Tomorrow, it might be meditating. Next week, it may be going to a grief counselor. It's it's not, there's no one size fits all, but really doing the work, whatever that is for you. And recognizing that it's a bit like this, right? Uh, for the podcast listeners, I, I like made like a mountain, mountain valley, mountain valley, mountain valley with my hand because it is a process as different feelings come up as different. Um, and something that's important to me has been really recognizing everything that happened and like naming it, you know, and when, when I hear the story of your husband, I think, oh, who would be good at that? Who would be good at losing their husband to a rare form of cancer? That's not something to be good at, right? So, so already kind of giving other people permission, giving yourself permission to not have to do it right, right? It's a hard thing. Like some things are not uh, Esther Perel, she said, um, Americans think that every problem has a solution, right? And some of the things we're talking about, we can do well, but it's not like the right, you have to journal. The right thing to do is listening to music. The right thing to do is, you know, obviously we don't want to be self-destructive or create addictions for ourselves, but um, but we grieve differently. We do. We, we all grieve very differently. And I think it's just so important to be kind to yourself and to know that you're going through a process. And it, you talked about the hills and the valleys, and it's almost really like one of those roller coasters that twists and turns, and then you're going backwards, and you're back on that same path again that you thought that you already went through. And you maybe didn't like it the first time, and now you extra don't like it the second time. But all of that is really important in just figuring out how to get, <clears throat> excuse me, to the other side. So it's, it's, feeling all the feels, being kind to yourself, allowing that space, and then creating an inner circle of trust. And you may have to move people in and out of that circle. And that's okay. And especially for women, we're taught like, be kind and accept everyone. And is this our fault? And what are we doing wrong? And why is this happening to me? But it's really empowering yourself, trusting yourself, to know this person doesn't make me feel good. And it doesn't have to be forever. Maybe you just can't be around them through this process of your grief. And maybe you can revisit it later, or maybe you shouldn't have them in your life at all. But having that inner circle of trust for me was probably one of the most important tools that I had. And then all of those other things just accompanied it. Within that circle of trust, an example I think that might be helpful is um, if you have two friends, they've been friends for a long time and well, I can use, I can use my own life in this, right? Um, I had a friend who I had two babies and she ended up having five miscarriages in the space that I had two children, right? So she knew about my situation. Obviously she loved my children. We were college roommates. We were dearest friends, but it's not kind if I use her as my avenue to talk about how wonderful motherhood is or how great my kids are or brag about everything my kids are doing. I had other friends, right, who they had their own kids. They, they were experiencing the same things I was. So it's not as if um, her and I weren't still friends. We're still very good friends to this day. And she has three lovely children. But it would not at, at that stage of our lives to use her as for my like need to like talk about how great my kids are would have been inappropriate. And sometimes 
that can be true. And just like uh, Susan was saying, they don't have to be out of your life forever. But some friends are more fun friends. Some friends are more success friends. Some friends are more work friends. And to find those friends where at this stage of life, it's appropriate to talk about the things that you need to talk about in this season. That's right. And ask. I would ask ask. because it would depend on who was talking to me about their husband or my husband, but people didn't talk to me about my husband because they were afraid or they thought it would make me sad, but I wanted to talk about him. Wanted to talk about him as much as I could because it made me feel close to him. What I didn't want to hear was how you were pissed off at your husband because he didn't wash the dishes that night because I wish that my husband was here to not wash the dishes. So those things are, if people would have asked, if if you wanted to tell me that your husband came home and got you the most wonderful anniversary present, I would love to hear that. And, but I would also want to be able to say to you that I remember the last anniversary present that Paul gave me and it was this, and it just meant so much to me. Actually, it's this necklace that I'm wearing. So (laughs) it's funny, but anyway, it's, uh, it's just to, to ask permission. Is it okay if I share this with you? And then respecting whatever it is they say. And it because I, I just think it's really important as a friend. I want to celebrate with my friends. I want them to be happily married or happily in a relationship. And even when my heart was broken, I wanted that for them. I didn't want them to take advantage of the relationship that they had. Because this has reframed me as a human being. And I looked back over all of those things that Paul and I argued about, like where to eat dinner at a restaurant or what we were going to do, what color we were going to paint the front door. And I'm in a relationship with somebody now. And when he says, like, what do you want to do for dinner? I'll say, I just want to be with you. Like where we eat dinner is that's just a vehicle to be with you. So is there something that you feel like eating? And if I feel really strongly that I want to have a poke bowl, I'll say, you know what? I feel like poke bowls, but I really just want to be with you. So if there's something else you want to do, let's do that. Because I can have a poke bowl tomorrow night. Uh-huh. I don't have to have that right now. But those are the things that I used to fight about because you just, it's, and it becomes silly when you look at the scheme of things because it has no, out, no outcome on, the, on your relationship at all. So I I want people to walk away with that, to ask people to make sure that you also are embracing what it is that you have and not going to someone like you said with your friend who had miscarriages. If you went to her and said, hey, is it okay if I talk to you about this? And if she said not right now, respecting that. Exactly, exactly. And Go ahead. I was going to say, but if she said, no, I would, it would actually make my heart happy to hear about your motherhood experiences than to know that you had the permission to do that. But then don't complain about your kids because right. that's yeah. 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 you yeah. not appreciating is a knife in their soul. Uh-huh. And she was at different times in my life. She was very, she had like the best marriage in the world. Right. I mean, they've been high school sweethearts. He loves her, like loves, 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 loves her, you know, and I'm sure she had to be careful about her conversations around that with me. Right. right. Oh, he's just so, well, we're best friends and we never fight. And they really, they do fight some, but I have watched this relationship for like 20 years now. Right. I mean, when they say they fight, it's like something over, uh, you know, what we're having for dinner, which many of my listeners 
have had very tumultuous relationships, right? Uh, I remember last night with my last night with my kids, uh, my husband and I were sitting there now, and the kids said, "Why is this bread so crunchy? Why is this bread so crunchy?" And uh, he'd gotten French bread because he knew I liked it because he'd gone to the grocery store. And whenever I go to the grocery store, I buy Italian bread because that's what he likes. So it's more salt. And so the kids are used to eating, you know, soft bread. And then he brought what I liked. And so the kids are like, why is this bread so crunchy? I said, well, that's because Ben went to the grocery store. He goes, that's what your mom likes. And I said, here's a marriage lesson, children. When I go to the grocery store, I buy the bread he likes. When he goes to the grocery store, I'm about to tear up even talking about it. Um, what a gift to be able to give my kids. Right? What it a is. To give my kids. Uh, and, you know, when he goes to the grocery store, he brings home what I like. And it's never been a conversation. It's never so like, oh, we planned that or whatever. It's just uh, appreciating when you're. And putting you're, someone before yourself and that we yes. need more of that in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I do want to talk about with the grief conversation. With my listeners, especially as sometimes females in, in the whole, but I know with my listeners, you kind of get into this like. Uh, grief dumping, right? Um, they've been through a toxic relationship or lost their kids. And something that I've seen is that I want to point out, because you were talking about, is it okay if we talk about this? Even if not assuming that every time you're with a friend, it is your chance to vent or grief dump on them, you know, to be able to say, hey, is this, I'm having a hard day. I'm, you know, pick up the phone. I'm having a hard day. Can I call you? Rather than them thinking, oh, I'm going to answer the phone to say hi to her. And then she's like, you know, emotionally vomiting on me. Um, that can be a very kind thing, too, within your relationships to just say, I'm having, you know, I'm sad today. Can I talk to you about that? Versus them trying, you know, running at the park with their kids, thinking they're calling to ask them for coffee. And all of a sudden you're like crying. And then they're like, what am I supposed to do with my children right. while, you're, while you're crying? Because um, we don't want our we want to be there for each other. And that's huge. And we also, which is, this probably has not worked as relevant to your work, Susan, but it is to mine. I want to point this out um, that our French, our friendships don't become based around that grief dumping experience uh, and like, you know, ruminating on that, um, which probably is not relevant to you, Susan, but I, I did want to point that out for my ladies because so many times I say, what do you do with your friends? What do you, well, we, you know, talk about all the bad relationships we've had. And it's like, uh, okay, that's, that's not what, that's not what you're talking about within a circle of trust. Um, no. And, and I want to just let you know too, that our brains are very, they're, they have great memories and we also relate things <laughs> to people. Yeah. So if you run into your child's teacher, at the grocery store, you're going to talk about your child in school. If you run into a fellow soccer mom at, in the neighborhood, you're going to talk about soccer. If you run into a colleague, you're going to talk about work. So our, we become very associated with our conversations with people. And so if you get into a pattern where you talk about negativity of any kind, whether it's a toxic relationship, a grief experience, that's all you're going to talk about. And that's what your relationship is going to become hinged on. And you need to ask yourself the question, what kind of relationship do I want to have with this person? And if that's the case, I'll say to my friends, like, I'm going to talk about this for 10 minutes, and then I'm going to stop and we're going to go on to something else because I don't want this to be our conversation. 
your friends have their own stuff going on and some days are hard for them too. And I have a friend who's a catastrophizer, love her. She'll do anything for you. She's a beautiful human being, but there are days I can't talk to her. And there are days I honestly don't pick up the phone when she calls me because I know it's going to be that vomit of negativity of all of the things she's perceived that have happened to her. And she's one of those people who, if she has a sore throat, then she has, you know, cancer of the esophagus. And so, I mean, I mean, that's serious stuff that she does. And she just gets really wrapped up in her own spiral down thinking. And I can't deal with that some days. And so I avoid those calls at times. And she would be heartbroken to know that. But I have said to her before, like, look, I'm having a bad day. And I'm sorry, I just can't have this conversation with you. Because I can't take the heavy load that I'm carrying. And you dump your heavy load on top of it, because then that will send me into a bad place that I don't want to go. And we don't want to become that friend. Right? right. Um, we don't want to become that friend. Uh, yeah, I know. I think that's, I think that's a lovely point. Um, what else on grief? You know, what you think about it? Well, I just, I really think it's important with grief to really stand up for yourself and what it is that you want. And I have come through this a much stronger person. I don't really like the word strong because we're all strong in different ways, but maybe courageous. So we, I use it because it just is so ingrained into our vernacular about how we talk about grief. This person's strong, that person's strong, but it's really being courageous. It's when your life, you feel like your life sucks in that moment to get up and get dressed and get out and do something. Even if it's just go to the grocery store and pick up a gallon of milk, just do something and keep building on it, on that and claiming that power back because grief can be a disempowering experience when you lose a child or a miscarriage. It's very disempowering when you lose a spouse, you have no control over that. If somebody breaks up with you, you have no control over that. But I look for the lessons. What can I take out of this? I, I will tell you all, and I don't say this from a Pollyanna perspective, I still have bad days. I miss my husband all the time. And I, it's a tragic situation what happened with us, but I had a beautiful relationship with him. Not a lot of people get to have that experience. We loved each other. I know what a good relationship looks like. I want that again. I want to be in a relationship again. And I, I'm so grateful that I know what healthy looks like because I was in an unhealthy marriage before I met him and got out of it. And I don't want to be there again. So I, I think that there's some great lessons for me to take forward. My husband told me he wanted me to figure out how to live my life and find joy in it. And that's still a process for me because some days I don't have joy and some days I really do. But it's trying to build on the days where I do have joy and stretch those out to be to be weeks, to be months and just pushing forward even when you feel like you can't because you can. I love that. And I want to re go back to what she said about finding something you can control, even if it's going to the store and getting milk and or sort of think, okay, what can I control? I can control that. I'm going to have grilled chicken for dinner. What can I control? I can control this and, and start building back that sense of, um, she talked about disempowerment, but, but learning how to not feel helpless again, you know, to feel empowered. Um, I know you don't like the word strong and that's why empowered. I think about empowered, maybe a great word there. Right. Um, and reminding yourself that you can take care of yourself. 
That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And taking care of yourself is just really sometimes being kind, stopping that dialogue in your head that says you're too much, you're not enough, you did this wrong, you're doing this wrong. It's really stopping that and saying, I am where I am right now, and I'm going to be okay with that. And I think you said it, if, even if you don't feel that way in the beginning, just to kind of start to say that until it feels like it's sticking a little bit more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was interesting as I went through my last month and the things that, that were happening then, um, I said, okay, I'm sad. And then thinking, well, who wouldn't be sad? Of course I'm sad. It really took out some of the shoulds in my head, right? Mm-hmm. And it helped me be kind to myself. Because sometimes I think, you know, what is kind to yourself? Is that a new pair of shoes? Is that some of these other crazy things that we can kind of think and you can buy yourself shoes, whatever. But, but thinking in my head, gosh, this is a, this is a bad situation. Okay. I'm sad. Well, that makes sense. And I know this sounds silly as you break it down, but it's like, Oh, that makes sense. I'm sad. Rather than you should have done more today. You shouldn't have wasted the whole day, you know, whatever, doing whatever, you know, you should have, I had a friend, it was her birthday and I could not go to her birthday. Like I just, there was no happy place for me to bring into that situation and just being honest, you know, I'm at a really bad place. This is kind of what's happened. I don't think I have the energy to show up for you in the way I would like to tonight. Can we postpone? Okay. Honesty. I did not hang up the phone and beat myself up. And this is someone who's been very good to me. There was no like, oh, what kind of friend are you? You know, it's just your stepson. It's not even your your son or, you know, it's crazy stuff. I'm not saying that in a, in a context, but just the, the way our brains can flip things and beat us up. You really have to keep a watch on that, right? You have to keep a watch on that. Well, and I, something that you said that's really important, especially for women, putting yourself first is not selfish. And we are taught to believe that it's selfish and we put everyone else and their needs before our own. And I am an advocate of putting yourself first, which is what you did in that situation. I'm not in a place to go to your birthday party. I want to be able to show up in a way for you that resonates with how I feel someone should be there on your birthday. Let's do this again another time when I can show up in a way that feels good for me, feels good for you. I'm sorry I'm not there today, but this is what's best for me. Mm-hmm. It's not selfish. If you want to lay in your bed one day and cry in your pajamas, that's self-care. It's when you do that for a week or you end up losing your job or you end up distancing right. yourself from your life that it's yeah. not self-care. Yeah. But sometimes closing yourself off to the world is self-care. Sometimes buying a new pair of shoes is self-care. Sometimes journaling or taking a walk, it's it's self-care. It's whatever makes you feel good. And you're not doing it at anyone else's expense. You're just putting yourself in your needs first. And you know what? You show up as a better friend, a better mother, a better partner when you're taking care of yourself and your own needs are met because you're not resentful and feeling left out of the equation. And there's really, there would have been only two options. This was her birthday. So I use the phrase, um, the top of the pyramid. It's her birthday. She should have been at the top of the pyramid. 
because of my grief, I had gone really back into survival mode. I was very aware that I was in survival mode. Um, even in the ability of how many balls I could juggle, like it was like, Oh, I can like only juggle one ball right now. Right. Um, and within that survival mode, her birthday, I could not put her at the top of the pyramid, which was appropriate for her birthday. So even thinking, I didn't even think of it as like putting myself first. I thought I have two options for showing up for her. One, grief dumping on her for her birthday. Not appropriate. Two, lying to her because I was like, oh, no, it's fine. No big deal. Yeah, that's good. Okay. And playing that fake place, which if she's my friend, that is not who I want to show up as. I'm not a fake person for her. And really thinking, what what am I capable of doing? The humility, humility, humility and integrity of saying, I cannot show up any better than I am right now. I'm not, I'm not magic, magic warrior, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where I, I can, you know, um, but be, being very honest, I could not, I did not have the emotional capacity to put her at the top of the pyramid, which was appropriate. And so if, if, because in my head, the crazy game's about putting yourself first, right? So I have to kind of go through, through, through some of that in my head to, to be able to put myself first, which um, I know many of my listeners would have the same would need the same mental gymnastics. We all do. do We we all do. It's very hard for women to do that. And I, I have gone through some, as you said, mental gymnastics through this process, because I was invited to parties and I went when, even though I didn't want to go, I went and I didn't want to be there. And I couldn't wait to get out. And I was like really trying to slip out the back while nobody was looking. And so I started giving myself permission to say no. And and it wasn't because I don't care about the person or I didn't care about their celebration. I just didn't want to be there. It didn't feel good to be there for me. And it could have been, it didn't feel good for me because I couldn't show up in the way of like you're saying, I couldn't show up in the way that you needed me to show up for your party. But if I'm your friend and I love you and I care about you and you tell me that, I'm going to say, don't come, you, you know, oh, stay at sure. home and let yeah. we'll connect because you're my, today's just a day and we can celebrate our friendship because that's what it's about. It's about, you know, you celebrating her and the celebrating the friendship in the context of her birthday. But it's, that's not the only day that defines your relationship with her. No, <laughs> they're a good friend. That, that that will not be the case. That's awesome, Susan. So tell us where we can find more about grief in your blog. So absolutely. My grief podcast is Tendrils oh. of Grief, and it's on all the podcasting sites. I have a website where you can also see it at www.tendrilsofgrief.com. And I am on LinkedIn, and I publish my grief. Uh, I'm on Instagram, too, at sue.ways. And I, on LinkedIn, Susan Ways, if you look me up, my podcasts are all posted there along with my HR blogs that I do. And there's information about grieving and working while you're grieving. And there's some helpful tools with that as well. And I really do encourage you guys to check out that. Um, A real sorrow in my own heart is when someone goes through something really bad and then their work life becomes in jeopardy, which is their security in jeopardy, which is their work community, which their self-identity oftentimes becomes jeopardized because of the sheer amount of pain that they're going through. So I definitely encourage you guys to check that out. 
Susan, thank you so much. I hope you have a fabulous day. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.